it's disheartening and it's hard to get rejected. And in those moments, you call your friends and they're like telling you this and that, you know, he didn't care about you. He never cared about you. He's an asshole. He was just using you. When we say those things to other people, when you really like a guy and he, you never hear from him again and people are telling you, well, he's just a player. Like, how does that make you feel? It makes you feel like you got played. Hey guys, welcome back to Unhinge. I'm Peyton. I'm Marcella. So a few people actually have actually brought up the show The One to me just because it does relate to our podcast. It's about a, it's a Netflix show about, it's not a quite a dating app, but it's a DNA match. It's basically a dating app that matches people with their soulmates. Like it's called The One. Mm-hmm. Um, it's DNA. And it like, yeah, it's DNA. And it like breaks up all these marriages because people are suddenly like taking the test to find out who their soulmate is. And it's like not their spouse or they're like finding out that their soulmate is like across the world. It also definitely, I mean, the show itself is not, I don't personally think it's a great show. It's very much like a Netflix original, like dramatic and has a lot of cliches um but it does you know like it does kind of raise like the nature versus nurture question like are you you know is your soulmate someone who has a lot of like shared experiences with you or is it someone who is genetically compatible with you or both the show is like people meet their soulmate through this app and it's like they immediately know it's this like magnetic like crazy it works for them and it works and it works on everyone I mean I haven't finished the show I have like two episodes left but yeah, it works so much that it like broke up an extremely happy marriage. Well, I haven't gotten them, so I don't know. But like right now, like the guy like ran into the the match and like oh. is like really struggling because he's so happy in his marriage that he he doesn't want to leave her, but like he can't kind of resist the pull of this woman. It's very strange. I mean, like I'm I'm down for an interesting black mirror-y type thing, but I, I will say in the first episode, it was so obvious. Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, it's not a well-written show at all. It's very much like a, like, it's a show you can eat. Like, if you want a really kind of mindless, like, show that's not demanding, it's just kind of, like, entertaining, then I would watch it. But it's not, like, a quality show, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely interesting. Hang the DJ. It's a Black Mirror episode. Black Mirror, just for context, I'm sure most people know this, but no episodes are related it's all kind of a dystopian reality that they create for each episode. And Miley Cyrus has been in one. Like, There's been lots of cool stuff. But Hang the DJ was one of the really interesting ones because it was basically about dating apps. And in an alternate universe, these people show up on their first date and they are shown how long the relationship is going to last on the first date. So they receive oh, wow. a timer. It's so interesting. Yeah, so they show up and they sit down. And they're like, okay, one, two, three, go. And they click this little device they have. And the device will say like 36 hours. So the people in this world just go from person to person to see how long it lasts. And sometimes it's a year and a half and then it ends. And that's kind of the premise. I won't give too much away. There is an opportunity to try to break free from that monotony of just like, getting partnered with your next person for 48 hours, two weeks, three months, whatever. And the kind of breaking, going against the grain ends up being how people find out how compatible they really are. That's all I'll say, if that makes sense. But I will say like, what if the timing is directly affecting their relationship? Like say you, you get 24 hours, then you're like, oh, this is a one night stand. So you have that like premeditated thought already in your mind it totally does right like that doesn't make yeah. sense to me it does because you're does. like oh this could never be a relationship so you never make it a relationship yeah exactly but I want you to watch it so I'm not going to say anything else well last question though is why is it called hang the dj or can you not tell me can't tell you can't tell you. that is that is quite creepy it's a creepy title and you find out why it's called that in literally the last three seconds going back to the one if you had the opportunity to find your soulmate through a DNA test, would you take it? Ooh. Would you take the test? I don't know. It's diff- It's difficult to ask someone who's single that because it's just like, yeah. uh, sure. Because yeah. <laughs> like, in the show, the show, it's like the married guy didn't actually send his DNA off. Like the wife actually did because she was curious. She like stole his DNA and sent it. Because if you're taking a test, if you're married, it's like you're probably in an unhappy marriage, right? 
or maybe you're just like dying to know I don't know but I think people can have multiple soulmates so I don't really buy I don't buy into this like oh you have one soulmate because of your DNA it kind of reminds me of this book that I love it's probably my favorite book I've ever read called The Versions of Us. It basically follows these two people that end up meeting in three different versions of their life. If you can imagine like when you make one decision, your entire life shifts in ways you would never anticipate and you go down that path and then you move on. But it's kind of like as if there are three different versions of this same couple meeting in each version, no matter how they meet, they do meet because it's like, they are like this, there's like a cosmic connection kind of between them. And I love the book because of that. Yeah, I mean, I like to think that there's one soulmate, but also it's a bit of a gamble if there's only one because oops, like what if you- Never meet them. Yeah. (laughs) What if you meet them and then something happens to them? Like, I don't know. And then you're supposed to be alone forever. Like it's, so it's kind of, it's a very romantic concept that I like to read about in books, but in reality, like if I was, if I was offered the chance to do something like that, I don't even know. I'd probably do it just for fun. But it's also like you said, like people grow so much and go through different phases of their lives that you could, you know, like, and you can grow with your, with your partner, but yeah, maybe you're, you're not, maybe like a significant, and we talked about this on Cameron's episode, like maybe they serve a purpose for that timing in your life. Yes. Okay. So let's get to the episode. On the podcast this week, we have Grace Lee. She's the founder of A Good First Date, and she's a dating expert and dating coach based out of New York. She has had such an interesting path to this career. She used to work in finance and worked all over the world in Asia and Europe and had this insane career and family life. And one day, everything changed and her family dynamic shifted, and she actually ended up moving to New York with her children And she found herself in the dating pool again, and that led her to a whole new career. And she was so interesting to talk to. So Grace understands that dating is hard, and she really wants to instill confidence in all her clients. She believes that there are no bad dates, just live experiences. She'll help you rewrite your dating profile, um, figure out your dating patterns and anxieties to put you in the best possible position to find love. So we really enjoyed our conversation with Grace today, and we hope you all have something to take away from it. Yeah, we hope you like it. Okay, bye. Welcome to Unhinged, Grace Lee. We're so happy to have you. Oh, thanks for having me. So Grace, do you want to tell us a little bit about your story and kind of path to becoming a professional dating coach? Of course. You know, my um, my path to becoming a dating coach is, I think, very untraditional. I actually started in finance. I, I always describe my pre-dating coach life as just being this very kind of on that straight and narrow path that a lot of people strive for. I went to a great college, went to graduate school, got an amazing job with a bank and lived in, in Europe and in Asia. Met my husband when I was in my early 20s got married um, when I was 26, had my first child at 28, my second at 30, you know, everything was going according to plan. And then one day I walked into the kitchen and my husband said, I don't think I can do this anymore. And I asked, do what (laughs) exactly? I had no idea what he was talking about. And it turns out that he was just having a lot of inner thoughts about our marriage and what it meant to him. And I was really caught off guard. And it was from that moment, I think that everything kind of shifted for me. There was no real playbook for what a single parent at age 34 is supposed to do. And we were living in as expatriates in Shanghai. I had two little kids. It was always my dream to live in New York City. And so we ended up moving, the kids and I ended up moving to New York City. And I was here, I was with the kids. I was financially in a place where I could take some time off. And Match.com was just coming on the rise. So I, and I had never really been single before. So I logged into Match.com and just dated pretty much anyone with a pulse. Like I just dated as many people as I could. I wanted to have every experience. You know, I'd never really been single before. I was more of a serial monogamist before. And I remember my very first, the very first guy that I dated. And this was like having no idea what was going on. Like an ex-Navy SEAL model who worked at a burger joint and 
was involved with like Pablo Escobar or something like just had this this crazy story and I remember thinking like it doesn't sound true but what if it is you know I just had like I just had no idea what was going on but I um for the first time in 15 years I finally experienced I mean real heartbreak that kind of thing that happens only when you first date I got butterflies I became obsessed with somebody you know all of these emotions that I just didn't have when I was married and so it was sort of like a backwards like I was doing my 20s and my 30s kind of thing so somewhere in there I put my name down in a matchmaking database and was called by the matchmaker and she asked me to come and be interviewed as a potential date for a client. So I went to the interview and she started asking me all of these really interesting and really fun questions. Like, what was I looking for? And, you know, what, what, how tall, um, what education level, how much did he make? You know, why did I think I was still single? And just all of these super basic questions I had never really thought about. It was like, what are you looking for? I was like, yeah, what am I looking for? <laughs> you know, like, oh, I'm allowed to actually specify how much money someone makes. Like, I'm so used to, you know, like not feeling guilty about paying for the entree, <laughs> ordering the entree kind of thing. So I, I remember at the end of that conversation, I was just like, is this actually a job? Like, this is your job. You run around the city matchmaking people. And so long story short, I ended up not dating her client at all, but I ended up becoming a matchmaker. It was my first job after not having worked for a really long time. Our Monday morning meetings were amazing. Like we would sit and talk about the guys and the women that we had met and who we thought would be a good match for who, just interviewing hundreds of men and women and doing the same survey, like talking to them about what they were looking for, what were their green flags and red lights and must-haves and deal breakers. And beyond that, just hearing about what they were struggling with and their frustrations. And in the end, I was not, I was really not a great matchmaker, if I'm going to be totally honest, but I was really taken by the stories and also really by the angst and the frustration that they had. So I left the world of matchmaking and then I started this business to really focus on helping people work through some of these issues. And the other thing that I discovered was that a lot of people were able to get matches on the dating apps that I was not able to get through matchmaking. And my conclusion, my takeaway from that is like, dating apps are actually a really good way of bringing people together. Like people self-select pretty efficiently, but where it normally falls apart for most people is they don't really know how to present themselves. And they also aren't really using the dating apps in the right way to appropriately filter down this huge population into one that makes more sense for them. But kind of just to go back briefly on the entrepreneurship angle and finding a new career after finance, because I mean, every, I think everybody starts in finance and then tries to run away. <laughs> but um, I, I think, you know, there's this adage of like, do what you love. And I love talking about dating. I guess you guys love talking about dating too. It's like, all I want to do is talk about dating and dates and relationships and stuff. And really it was just like, okay, how can I get, like, how can I get paid to do this in a way? And also from the heart, I'm a single parent now. And I go through a lot of what my clients go through. And when I go through it myself, it's still as intense. You know, like if I like a guy and he doesn't call me back, it really sucks. Like, even though I'm, a, you know, I'm professional, it really sucks for myself. And in terms of like, what can I give back and what is my purpose? It really is driven by just being able to help people in any, in any way so that people can start to see being single as a lifestyle. Because yeah, I mean, finding love is an amazing thing but like in the meantime we owe it to ourselves to live our lives so I think all of those things coming together has been completely unlikely your typical client are they coming to you to say I want to feel better about dating and I want to kind of feel better about myself and how I date or are they saying I'd like to be in a relationship when they get in contact with you my typical client definitely wants to be in a relationship when people work with me Sometimes they do find their relationship while we're working together, but usually they don't. And I don't mean this in the way that it sounds. I actually don't care. Like, I actually don't care if they find a relationship. What I want for them is to feel good about dating. Because the truth about love is that you can't control when it's going to happen.
position, but you can put yourself in the best position and you can know yourself well enough and know what you need well enough so that when he's standing or she's standing right in front of your face, you don't miss it. So that's really where we want to be. I want this process to be at the very least neutral and hopefully fun. And a lot of people really misunderstand the word fun. It's like, I'm not here to have fun. I'm here to find a relationship. And the thing is, when that's your mindset, you're actually really unattractive person to be with. You know, think about the language around dating. It's all about deal breakers. Just think about that word, like a deal. Like, is that what this, this is a deal, like a business transaction, you know? And so it's really about shifting that and really saying, okay, well, let's put ourselves in the best possible position. Let's learn from every single experience. When you get ghosted, when you get rejected, what are you learning from this experience? Because every one of those experiences is bringing you closer to something. And I think more often than not, it's some kind of self-realization about the things that you really want, the things that are important to you. And as you step into those things, you're happier. And when you're happier, you're more fun to be around. And when you're more fun to be around, you show up as yourself and you can connect with people more authentically. Now to what end? And that's really what I want to avoid. It's like success is not finding a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Success is in my mind, you're just chill. Like it's not a big deal. It's important, but it's not a big deal. Like that's where I want people to be because this could take a week or it could take decades. I don't know. Like I don't have the answer to that. I met my ex-husband who I was in love with at a restaurant in Thailand um, when I was traveling by myself. I was traveling by myself because that's who I am. And I happened to meet somebody when I was on my path. And a lot of stories that I hear about love are an extension of that. There was something about that that brought two people together. And when you can let go of this, I'm looking for a relationship idea that's actually way more successful. I mean, I was a matchmaker. You know, you can't get much more targeted than that. And I can tell you just a funny experiment. There was a period between when I left matchmaking and when I started um, date coaching where I was like going on all of these you know, like dates that were just pretty much like booty calls, like not actual dates, whatever. Now there's situationships. I was in a lot of these situations and I was, I was fine with it, but that was by night and by day, I was searching for these like amazing partners for people. And I got fed up and I was like, you know what? Like I'm going to be my own matchmaker. I, I can get this done. And so I used a lot of the tools that I used. I had a spreadsheet. I had different qualities. Um, I had ratings. I would go on as many dates as possible. I perfected the first date technique to get as many in as possible. And I think some days I would go on four dates in a day. Wow. And my settings were they had to want a relationship. They had to have gone to a good school. Like all of these things that my clients were telling me that I should want. And, um, you know, I probably went on, let's call it 150 dates. It was probably more. Probably had five second dates and one third date and no relationship because there was nothing in those connections that actually made me want to see them again. And and I think it was after that was like, oh, oh my God, I'm never going to, I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. Like I'm never going to meet anyone. And I hit a wall. And I was like, fine. <laughs> okay, fine. Like, I'm not going to meet anyone. What am I supposed to do? Throw myself out the window? Like, okay, so what? So like, if I'm not going to meet anyone, then I might as well meet people that are interesting and fun, good people. And I think it was from that point that I started to feel all of the dating advice out there. It would just hit me in a different way, in a way that it was, it was really offensive to me. Like, you'll only find love if you do this. No, not at all. So like our whole dating culture is predicated on this idea that if you find love, then all of the shit you went through will be worth it. And that mindset is miserable and it's especially miserable for women. It was only after going through this experience on my own when I realized like I'm not in a perfect place right now, but I'm definitely in a different place than I was before. When we can turn this around for ourselves, the quality of our lives is better. And, you know, you can sit around and wait for the perfect person, which makes sense if we lived forever. But I think this year has taught us a lot about, you know, mortality. And ultimately, my bigger purpose is really to help people understand that fun is not just like hooking up and treating your life like it's a joke, like having fun and having enjoyment and learning about yourself through this process of being single is actually life's greatest opportunity to find what they're looking for.
And if you look at divorce statistics, and if you look at the hundreds of thousands of people on dating apps, I mean, these, these companies are faster growing than Netflix, like Match. You know, if you look at the stock chart, more people are getting it wrong than are getting it right. And so I think we all need to give ourselves a break and try to get something different from this experience and to not see it as a binary kind of win-lose outcome because it in my opinion it is absolutely not that do you think dating apps engineer the whole dating process because like you said you met your husband kind of on your own path traveling alone in thailand and that's not going to happen in a spontaneous way on a dating app no i think that actually dating apps are the best thing that have happened to any of us i mean think about if your pool was limited to the boys you went to kindergarten with at least for me growing up in east lansing michigan that is not (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> not a good scenario. So let's just think about dating apps in a different way. A lot of things happen in a weird roundabout way. And I think, you know, you can probably look back to some of the most pivotal moments of your life and realize like they weren't planned. You happened to be in the right place at the right time and you were listening with an open mind. So if I had gone to that date and all I could see was this is not my husband, too busy wondering if he had a life plan and how much money he was making, that would have been my opportunity that I missed because I was focused on an outcome. What I always tell my clients is, okay, so he's not the one, but he's pretty close. You're in the right neighborhood. And maybe he has some cool friends. Maybe he'll give you an idea that will give you an idea that will lead to something that's a dead end that will teach you a lesson that will come in handy when you meet this new girlfriend whose brother ends up being your husband. We don't know how these things work, but at least in my life, which has really been a series of accidents and breakups, for me to get to where I am from Michigan to working in England to working in Asia, now being in New York City, doing this amazing job, like that has nothing to do with a plan. So I think really, it's when just to get back to your question the purpose of a dating app is not to find love the purpose of a dating app is to filter a huge population down to a population that you would find interesting and to meet those people the outcome of that meeting is completely out of our control but as we date more and learn more about ourselves you know that kind of right neighborhood wrong house you know It's like defining what that neighborhood looks like to us is going to happen through the effective use of dating apps. So when we think about dating apps as being the engine, you know, this machine that we are driving for a broad outcome, then I think serendipity can absolutely still happen. So would you say that the more people are actively dating and seeking out people, the better they get to know themselves and kind of view you through a good first date? are using dating as a tool to kind of start loving connecting with yourself a little more? I think that I think that's definitely one outcome. I go through a process with clients that helps them to really think about what's special about them. And one of the questions I ask is, you know, if you were to picture the perfect dating profile, like the dating profile, you know, we're going to take away looks and all that stuff. Let's say all of that stuff is there. You're looking at this profile and there's a picture and like, you just need to swipe right on this picture. You need to text this person in the picture. Like you need to meet this person. What would that picture look like? And a lot of people are like, I don't know. Like they can't, they can't really get to what that is, you know? And finally for this one woman, she loved doing salsa in the park. And so it was really this thing about, wow, like this is actually really important to me. Like it's how I express myself. It's how I have fun. This idea that you would go to an outdoor salsa thing during the middle of a pandemic because music and dancing is so important to you. You kind of put yourself out there. I'm not talking about like the risk of Corona, but just the spirit of it. You know, she works in tech and she's beautiful, but what makes her really cool is this kind of like the passion and the soul behind that. And I looked through her profile. I was like, Hey, you know, can, maybe we can add this to your profile somehow to add that that layer that is really like beaming out of you as we speak. And so she realized that her dream picture would be of a guy like dancing in a park. When you orient yourself towards what you really like, I think you really realize like, oh, this is something that I really love about myself. And when you can figure out your brand, I think that's when this gets really interesting. I like to talk a lot about Nike because Nike is such an incredible brand and we all know what they stand for and who they're speaking to. But if you imagine like if Nike appealed to everyone that had feet, their stores would be a disaster. All the people that would be coming in there would be looking for high heels and flip-flops. It would be crowded. People wouldn't know what price point. And the true athletes 
would not be in there. They would be at a place where they felt like they were being spoken to. To the point of dating profiles, a lot of people are coming at this with, I just like, this is my cute picture. That's why I posted it. It's like, okay, well, you're basically, your brand is I'm cute, which is great if you're, you know, I'm sure people are cute, but in New York City, you're never going to be the cutest. So if someone is really into you because you're cute, that gets you pretty much nowhere. But if somebody is into you because you work in an inner city school and like you've dedicated your career to helping others and you're cute, then that connection, even before you meet, is already stronger and based on something that's more personal. To get back to your question, a long-winded way, like, yeah, once you realize like, oh, that is something that's really cool about me. And then you can actually put it to paper and then you actually have someone respond to it. It just, even if it goes nowhere, like I had a guy leave me, he left me a voice message actually um so my first picture on my dating profile is with Andrew Yang he's like the best love that guy I love Andrew Yang I know and then I have a picture I I put a squat rack in my apartment so I have a picture of me doing a squat and then I'm huge hip-hop fan so I have like ASAP Rocky in my playlist anyways I mentioned these things because in in his message he was like that's the perfect profile like this combination of like Andrew Yang like doing squats and liking ASAP Rocky and then like having kids and oh it's just such such a great compliment you know and and it just was like okay like my message is getting across you know take it or leave it but if they're gonna leave it they're leaving it for the right reason that's such a good point did you uh, end up talking to this guy that sent you a voice memo are you guys still well speaking? this is this is another point is so I sent him a a message back and I never heard from him again. Oh. One could look at that and and call it a lot of things, but for me it was like, well, my profile's pretty good. Whatever whatever I said or did after that, like for whatever reason he didn't reply and that's okay. Like I didn't unmatch him. He might reply in 2 months. That's fine. This is the thing. It's like the takeaway is whatever I want the takeaway to be. And some people would see would feel that as a rejection and I mean it definitely doesn't feel like I won an award. Like it doesn't feel <laughs> great. But as you go through this process with a different mindset, you're just kind of like, okay, well, we're just not a good fit. Another visualization exercise I like to do is really thinking about fit versus quality. And like a lot of times people will ask like, where are all the quality people? We're like, you're lowering your standards. Like, I'm not going to accept that. I want someone who's better. Like, what are we actually talking about? We're assigning values to people. And then intrinsically, you're assigning a value to yourself, which means that you can be worth more or less based on the relative value of somebody else. But actually what we're really talking about is fit. And fit is a different image. It's more like a puzzle. And there's a puzzle piece that you're looking for, or there's, you're a puzzle piece and you're trying to fit into someone else's puzzle, whatever that is, but the piece is unique. You know, it has certain grooves and edges. And if you go into online dating with a circular puzzle piece, you might fit parts of different pieces, but you're never gonna get it you know, but the thing about a puzzle piece not fitting, like if you're doing a jigsaw puzzle, as many people were over Corona, if a puzzle piece didn't fit, you would never be like, this piece is not, is trash. <laughs> you wouldn't be like, piece is like, does not meet my standard of puzzle. Like the cardboard is bad. Like the color isn't right. You know, you wouldn't try, you wouldn't judge that piece for what it is. You would just simply think, oh, this isn't the right piece. Like I, I'll try something different. I really try to extend that metaphor into dating. Like I definitely get ghosted and rejected a lot. Like we all do. And it does hurt, but then ultimately it's like, well, just not a fit. It's not because they're high quality or low quality or I'm good enough or not good enough. It's a puzzle. Like we just don't fit. And the reason that it didn't work out is because it's not supposed to work out. But then what did I learn about myself? Like, what was it about this experience that can help me? Now it's going to get cheesy to help me like make my puzzle piece like more yeah. whatever it is that I need it to be what how can I fine-tune myself or what I'm looking for because again you what you want to avoid is having that person stand in front of you and you're just like so unaware that you miss it completely and so is that something you talk to your clients about because I feel like it takes a lot to build up this certain kind of confidence when you're dating and you're getting rejected all the time and you have to be somewhat confident to even put yourself out there in the first place. Yeah, you can't fake confidence and you can't talk yourself into it. So I think 
confidence comes from having an experience and a good outcome and having that experience and good outcome again and again and again. And so the first thing that happens is you create a profile that starts a conversation that you want to have. And once you do that, you start having better conversations. And once you start having better conversations, you go on better dates. I don't go on bad dates. And I go on a lot of days. I don't go on bad dates because the system that I've created for myself is based on things that are important to me. And as I create those systems for my clients, they see that by putting themselves out there in a way that feels like authentic and real to them, that they are getting more genuine interest and kind of that affirmation that who they are is interesting to somebody. I don't know who that person is. I don't know how long it's going to take. And as that thing happens, it definitely becomes a positive loop. And when it doesn't happen, and this is another reason why people work with me is because it's disheartening and it's hard to get rejected. And in those moments, you call your friends and they're like telling you this and that, you know, he didn't care about you. He never cared about you. He's an asshole. He was just using you. When we say those things to other people, when you really like a guy and he, you never hear from him again, and people are telling you, well, he's just a player. Like, how does that make you feel? It makes you feel like you got played. It makes you feel like like you're an idiot, like you were doing something wrong. When in reality, that's not what it is at all. We don't know what's in that person's mind. All we know is that they showed up in this way. They had this intention and like, what did they learn from it? So in those situations, I think working with a dating coach is really important because we can go back and say, okay, well, let's look at what happened. Let's look at how you showed up. What's something that you would want to do differently maybe or whatever. And then just this idea of like, it's, it wasn't meant to be like, it's okay. You know, there's nothing to be embarrassed about you tried like human emotion we are animals like we're designed our whole purpose is to reproduce like that is all we're here for and the chemicals and the things that happen around love are so powerful like if you think about a lemon and like how sour it is you will salivate right like that's how we're you know our brain can't distinguish the difference between a real threat and a fake threat so as we put ourselves through this cycle like those strong emotions are because they're supposed to be strong. And so if you feel heartbreak and if you feel the sort of ecstasy or whatever, that's how it's supposed to be. There's all these high profile people that have achieved success in every other way and they get divorced, like which we would see as some kind of a failure. So I think it's just reinforcement of this message that is just simply not that present, you know, which is don't judge your process by your outcome. You know, that's a big thing for me, like trust the process, do what you think, feel feels right to you and see what happens learn from the experience. You will feel that like you're getting closer to something, but confidence doesn't come all at once. It happens. It happens over time and, and, and it has to happen with repetition and repetition. You know, there is an accountability piece that people need a lot of times in order to stay the course. I mean, that's common in like, say personal training, you know, like people don't want to go to the gym. So they pay someone so they can just show up at the, we, we can go on YouTube and like find all the exercises. This is like not a big deal. So I think definitely being committed to the process is a big part of taking things less personally, treating this process as no big deal in a way. So, you know, the beauty of getting older and having more experiences is that you have wisdom. You mentioned some people think divorce is a failure and I feel like it's a success in so many ways because it was the wake up of what you need is not here. And maybe I find it somewhere else. Like, I feel like it is kind of a, a success in a different way in that it's like you're communicating with yourself. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a failure and I think it's a success and I think it's neither of the two. And I mean, really, it's like I was I was actually thinking about my divorce recently and I was like, regardless of what it is, like it happened. There were things that I could have done differently that I will learn from and do differently now. Is my life so much better because of it? No, it's my life so much worse. No, like it just, there are things that worked out better. There are things that didn't. I'm a dating coach because of where I was. I've had like all kinds of crazy adventures, but I have missed out on some things that I might've experienced. I guess I'm very like, the less judgment I can have about those things, the better, because it doesn't serve me. There was no could have been because it wasn't, it didn't happen. So 
sure. I mean, you know, you could have cheated on a person, got busted and then got divorced from, and maybe that was a success because you finally realized maybe it was a failure because you betrayed someone you loved. There were certainly lessons that both people learned, but I guess I treated it as, okay, well, it happened. How is that going to serve that person as they move forward? And do you think divorce adds like another dimension to how you date now and kind of how you choose your partner because my parents got divorced when I was younger so I witnessed them in you know all kinds of different relationships some that had like very negative impacts on me and some that had very positive so I was just wondering if like how you go about choosing a partner and also thinking about your children yeah it's it's a, an important question I think when I first got divorced I was so young that I had this feeling that I really needed a man even I just like can't throw a baseball to save my life (laughs) and I was like oh no like no one's gonna throw the ball my son and all this stuff you know so I tried very hard to, to integrate a couple of guys into my family and I mean it wasn't traumatic or anything but it it just didn't work because at a certain point I was like oh I can do this better myself mm-hmm. and after I reached that point, I have not really introduced anybody to my kids because we're just like this little unit that moves through the world. And I remember we went to Hong Kong and like woke up at three in the morning because we all had jet lag. And so we like got a like gotten a taxi and got noodles or something. And like, there was no guy that was there that was like needed to sleep. We didn't need to be quiet. We didn't need to stay in a separate room. You know, all these things. Okay, I see the downside of it a lot, but it was just like, I'm so grateful to have that time with them. Of course, there are times where I miss having another person, but really not not that often just because like my kids are awesome and we're like, so tight but I think you know for for parents like you know having heard what you just mentioned like it's really important not to introduce people in my opinion to not introduce people to your kids especially if they're little until you feel really really confident about it because why like why would you introduce somebody to your kids that may not be a permanent part of your life or you don't necessarily trust and and so knowing you know my kids are 15 and 17 I have no intention of including someone in our family and so when I date, I don't, I want, obviously want them to be like a good person, but I don't think of it as like, oh, can he be a good father? Like I'm dating for myself. I'm dating to have fun and to like, enjoy myself. I'm not dating with the potential of having somebody like parent my kids. And what is your ideal first date? And what is the ideal first date you suggest for your clients? Well, it actually starts with your profile. And again, remembering that the only purpose of the dating app is to filter a huge population down to a smaller population based on the things that are important to you. So for me, a really good filter has been hip hop festivals. Like I love hip hop. I went to like a ton of concerts and festivals. It's just totally my thing. It's all I want to talk about. And so my profile is very much oriented toward that. So the conversations, like I'll swipe left on someone that has bad music. (laughs) The conversations that I have are about music and I'll always start with that. I'm like, what's on your playlist? Like send me your favorite track. And at the very least I get music out of it. And I've like discovered really good music that way. But if we can vibe over music, then I will meet them for a drink. And so I'm basically setting myself up for that conversation that I want to have. So it's really first like deciding if you could engineer the conversation, what would you talk about? I think the best conversations are really about nothing. Like I once had this amazing conversation about llamas with this guy and it was so fun like I wasn't like oh man what should I write back I was like we were going back and forth about whatever like llama facts I mean it was so stupid but it was just funny and I was like okay I have to meet this person like we're gonna have a blast so with clients I really try to help them think about like what is it that you want to talk about what is the filter conversation that's going to make a difference to you so for one client I spoke with she loves talking about travel so the guy was like oh what do you do and she's she's in charge of the conversation So she would say, oh my God, work is so busy. I'm like dreaming about my next trip. She'll always like steer it back to that. And then they'll talk about where they've been. So if this guy has been like to exotic places, that's her guy. If this guy's next trip is to Las Vegas, like that's not her guy. That's like the efficient filter that everybody needs, I think, in order to like know it's going to be a good date. As soon as I hit the point where I know it's going to be a good date, like kind of no more, no less. I mean, certainly no less, but certainly no more. As soon as I know, 
I asked for the date. And I would say I probably asked for 90% of my first date and and 0% of my second dates. So I will just say, would you be up for a call, coffee, or a drink? I personally don't want to be on a call, but I want to be respectful of what people are going through right now. More often than not, I've just found guys don't care about Corona. (laughs) I guess it's all fine. Everything's going to work out. Okay, great. Before I got vaccinated, and even now I have a system. So basically... I have a bar that I've chosen that is five feet away from my apartment. I always ask if we can meet at that bar because if they're late, I don't have to be waiting somewhere because nothing makes me more angry than waiting somewhere for my date. So um, yeah, it's like, can you, can you meet at this bar? Great. Okay, great. Text me when you're five minutes out, I'll walk over. So when I, they're there, when I arrive, I'm always on time. It's like a really reasonably priced bar too. take off my mask. We chat and whatever the whole time. I'm just focused on vibe. Like, how do I feel? Like, am I having fun? Like, do I feel like dehydrated? <laughs> or am I, you know, like, it's just, I'm just going for like, am I smiling? Like that's kind of what I'm going for. Don't normally order a second drink, especially if it's an amazing date. I don't order a second drink. And if I like the guy, I'll tell them that I had a great time. And then I go home and I leave it because that's the amount of time I want to invest in this person at that point. I've given them my profile. I've given them a text conversation. I've given them 45 minutes of my time. Now at that point, if they like me and I like them and they ask me on a second date, then I'm going to be willing to give that person a little bit more. But I need to know, especially if I really like the person, I need to know that they like me enough to ask me on a second date. And until I have that information, I just don't think it's, and of course I break these rules sometimes, but I just, I can't, it's not to play a game or anything like that. It's for self-preservation. Like I need to get through this marathon. You can only take so many nicks and cuts before you need to take a break. And what that break looks like is I deleted my app. I'm just going to take a few months off get back on the app and like a year goes by, you know, and that's, that's the situation that I want my clients to avoid, like five minutes a day, an hour, whatever it is, but I'm going to give this person this, this amount of myself, according to what our relationship merits. And as we develop trust and consistency over time, then I'm going to give them more of myself and they're going to give me more of themselves. But what so often happens is like, oh, he's amazing amazing. We had this five hour date and then I never heard from him again. And then it hurts a lot. And it's like, it hurts a lot for a really good reason because you've given a lot to that person and it hasn't been somehow reciprocated. Really almost like what happens between the dates is more important than what happens on the date. And then just with regards to Corona, if there's a second date, I'll say, oh, well, you know, we like, I need to be socially distant unless you are okay with getting a PCR test. I got tested if they agreed to get tested. And then the second date, if we both got tested, it was just like more chill. Doesn't mean we need to like hook up or anything, but it's just like, okay, we can relax. You know, that was the way that I ran it. There were certainly guys that were like, no, I don't want to get tested. And I would say, all right, well, after I'm vaccinated, like I'll hit you up. Like pretty sure I'll be single anyway. (laughs) And that's actually happened. Like I have gotten in touch with guys that didn't want to get tested. Like no judgment, it's fine. But those are the kinds of, weird conversations that I've had to have over this period, but I feel like it's what I needed to do to, to stay safe for myself. And going back to Corona, kind of what are other ways you've seen COVID change the dating landscape? Do you think as more and more people are vaccinated, do you think there's going to be more hookups or are more people kind of looking for more substantial relationships? The thing I've heard the most, I mean, definitely during the pandemic, people were kind of realizing like, yeah, I really need something stable and meaningful. But now that we can go out, it's like, fuck that. (laughs) I just want to have fun. I want a summer boyfriend. Like we'll figure it out later. (laughs) So there's probably a mix. I probably am more of the mindset of like, please go out. Like, please, please have sex. Like, please go out and have a laugh and not worry about it so much in the next three months. Have fun and, and maybe worry about the other stuff later a little bit is my feeling because I think we all need like a little relief from the isolation. But having said that, I think a lot of people are, you know, focused on having a relationship. And certainly one relic of this period is the video date. Like a lot of people still enjoy or still use that as a first cut. So I think that's probably more around to stay than it might've been. I do definitely sense this like 
pent upness and just wanting to get out. And I think I'm, I know for myself, I'm way more, I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll go out. Like, <laughs> you know, yes, I will. Like, I'll go out. Like I've been telling myself this whole time, like, as soon as I have the vaccine, I'm going to do all these amazing things. And I find myself sitting at home and it's like, no, this is not, this is not how I envisioned it. You know, I should be doing more. So that's kind of pushed me to just go out more and take more risks, I guess. I mean, not health risks, but just give more people a chance. So on your Instagram, I saw a video about a vaccine moment, kind of a date leading to a vaccine. Do you mind expanding on that story a little bit for everyone on the podcast? Yeah, well, it's a it's a theme that I've noticed in my life, the outcome of dating. And of course, traditionally, we date to meet someone that we want to be with. But in this case, I had gone on a date with this guy who is so hot, like mind blowing hot and had really was much younger than me. The hallmarks of being a long-term relationship were not necessarily there and really sweet, really nice guy. So we went on a date and then I came home and I stalked his Instagram and I went through every single person that he followed, like some kind of psychopath. And one of the accounts that he followed was the New York Times, which is really not controversial at all. But Mm -hmm. I thought, oh yeah, shit, I I should be following the New York Times. So Mm -hmm. I started following the New York Times. And one of the first stories that came up was the story about TurboVax, who's this guy on Twitter that he's really well known. I created this bot that consolidates all of the available vaccine appointments across the city. So shortly after that, I became eligible for the vaccine and I was using TurboVax. So I was refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. And then on TurboVax, there was this person that posted this link to the Javits Center scheduling page, used that link and got my appointment for like the next week. And at the time, especially it, it was just like, it was a miracle. It was so hard to get an appointment. Had I done it the traditional way, I would have been out like a month or maybe, you know, I, I just didn't know how to do it. And there are lots of examples like that in my life, but it's really to show you like that you don't know what's going to come out of these dates. And so really like Bumble got me vaccinated. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it really is just comes down to like being open and seeing the value in things and like, ex- and then you know, the success of a date is what you make of it. And in that case, it was a needle in the arm. (laughs) That was was my outcome. In the time that you've spent with your clients, what have they taught you throughout this process? Well, the most interesting things I've learned have been from my male clients because I never knew what they were thinking before. I never knew what guys were thinking about before. And I realized that at least for a lot of men, it's not what we think. It's not nearly as sinister and premeditated as I myself had assigned to it. Um, There's this one story, this guy, probably my favorite client. He's a total catch, like has all of those like Wharton business school like aspects to him and he was like grace i found my wife like i can't believe it i found her on hinge i'm so hoping that she texts me back and i was like oh my god like send me a send me a screenshot i think i was expecting like kendall jenner or something like i was expecting someone super hot (laughs) instead the screenshot was a risk, like a hinge response. And it was, all I ask is that you not sit on my bed in your outside clothes. And like, he's so OCD that for him, he was like, oh my God, I can't believe someone else uses the word outside clothes. And like, that was, <laughs> that was what did it for him. And it was so fascinating because um, I was like, wow, I, I always thought guys were so crass like I always thought they were just looking at pictures and stuff the thing is for the really in high demand guys that are looking for relationships like they are looking for substance there's nothing more interesting to to them and to us really there's nothing more interesting than independent thought and personality and the other thing I learned is like guys have feelings too uh when I used to get pissed off like if I was going on a date and the guy didn't reconfirm I would cancel it abruptly because I would just assume like well I haven't heard from him so we're probably not going out whatever like and then I would do this thing like my time is worth more than this like Mm -hmm. I knew that he was unreliable this is just a sign I can't be with someone who's this inconsistent like blah 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 have this huge like monologue and then my client will be like oh my god I was so slammed at work I didn't have time to go to the bathroom and then all of a sudden she just totally canceled and like my weekend like my Friday night I haven't 
no plans. Mm -hmm. And he would be really upset rightfully because he like had planned to go out with this person. Meanwhile, I know in her mind, because I'm friends with that, you know, I'm friends with that person or that situation. It's like, for her, she was so offended that he never checked in. And so as a result, when I'm dating, I just give guys like much more credit and I kind of give them a break if something happens. And I'm, I'm also a much better communicator. Like I'll, um, I was in a situation where like I hooked up with this guy and then didn't hear from him for like two days. And I really like him. We were talking and I was like, Hey, um, you know, I really like, I like you. I'm enjoying getting to know you. But when you didn't text me for two days, it was like, I I honestly, I was like, it hurt my feelings (laughs) Like, like in kindergarten, but I was just like, it really hurt my feelings. Like it made me feel awkward. And he was like, I'm so sorry and da 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 like obviously the amount that I'm willing to invest in that relationship has diminished just because of that happening but just being able to say it not in an aggressive way like these are my standards and blah 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 it's just like no it really hurt my feelings you know just want just want you to know that and it did help our relationship you know there was more of an understanding Mm -hmm. so yeah it's really just kind of like the behind the scenes that has helped a lot. I feel like it's so easy to spiral into a man hater phase. Yeah. I think we're way too harsh sometimes. Oh yeah. But yeah, it's so easy. So it's, I feel like that insight from your clients is really, really interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy to get into that thing because there are a lot of guys that that are, again, it's not a good fit. Yeah. If like every person that you meet inspires a different level of generosity, you know, like there are just certain people you meet them and you do anything for them and other people you meet them and you want nothing to do with them. And it's like, it's not a good fit. Like this guy, like I've ghosted people. I'm not a, I'm not going to ghost everybody I meet, but there are definitely people that I've ghosted mm-hmm. not to be a bitch just because I forgot. Yeah. And you can't take it personally either. Well, it's almost just like, well, I've ghosted people before. So when someone ghosts me, it sucks. But it's also like, well, we're just not a fit. Like, I'm not inspiring this level of dedication in this person. So, okay. I mean, doesn't feel great. But it's like, I don't know. There's there's absolutely nothing I can do about it. So on to the next one. Right. Exactly. Before we go, what's one piece of advice you would give to 20-somethings dating in a post-pandemic world? I would say trust the process. Process. Date. I always encourage my clients to date more than one person at a time. Get to know people and to the extent that you can block out the noise and listen to your intuition because you've gotten to the point where you've gotten based on your intuition. You know what's best for you. Have confidence in yourself and try and like make tons of mistakes and learn from them. There is no truly, there is no right way to do this. There is no wrong way to do this, but you have to do it. So date, <laughs> date. Trust the process, fall in love with dating, be open and enjoy your life. I love that. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate your time. Grace, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you? Instagram, you know, every social media that you're on and how can they get in touch? I would love to work with anyone in your audience. I think anyone who takes the time to really educate themselves on learning about themselves, learning about dating is the person that I want to meet. And so you can reach me by going on my Instagram, DMing me, or going on my website, A Good First Date. It's a good first date on my Instagram and my website. Um, and you can schedule a consult. My first consult is 30 minutes. It's absolutely free. Sometimes people are like, well, I can't afford a dating coach, whatever. Like, please just call. It's totally fine. I love talking to people about dating. And a lot of times just that half an hour will really, well, it will always make you feel better, but sometimes it's all somebody needs to kind of put them on a different path and have a different experience. So uh, the Instagram is a good first date and the website is a good first date. Awesome. Thanks again so much. We loved this. Yeah, no, thanks again for reaching out.